Well, good morning. My name is Bobby, one of the pastors here at Soma Northwest. Uh, Happy New Year. Thanks for coming. Um, We, if you were around uh, back in the fall, we began a series entitled Practicing the Way of Jesus for the Life of the World. Uh, You'll see on the front of your worship guide, if you picked up one of those, the two words there, spiritual formation. Spiritual formation. We began talking as a church on Sunday about what does it mean, what does it look like for God to transform us, to be followers of Jesus, practicing the way of Jesus. Being a disciple, being a follower of Jesus is multifaceted, right? It's not just about coming here for a couple of hours on Sunday, singing songs, listening to a message, and then going back to, quote-unquote, our regular life. Being a follower of Jesus involves all of us. It, It involves being with Jesus. It involves us becoming like Jesus. It involves us doing the things that Jesus did, that spiritual formation, our transformation, is something that God has invited us to participate in. And we began talking back in the fall that a big part of this are what we call spiritual practices, practices that God has invited us to participate in by, that are means by which we know him and experience his transformation in our lives. And these practices aren't solely responsible for our change and for our trans, transformation. Just practicing these things like, you know, what we're going to talk about this morning, practicing a Sabbath, resting, reading our Bible, praying, uh, sharing our faith with other people, you know, being a community that practices justice and, and righteousness, that these things alone are not the, 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 they're not ends in and of themselves, but they are means that God has given us to know him, to be transformed from the inside out by his spirit. The spirit works through these practices to form and to shape us in our whole person, our thoughts, our feelings, our choices, in the bodies, the physical bodies that we have, in the relationships that we're a part of. God wants us to be whole people not fragmented people, not scattered people, not people who look at certain parts of their lives as spiritual and other parts of their lives as not, but whole people, followers of Jesus that are being formed and shaped by the Holy Spirit. And so what we're going to do this year is we are going to drop in and out of some little mini-series on Sunday morning that focus on these specific practices. And, and, And this morning, as we have mentioned, over the month of January here, we are going to focus on what we call a Sabbath way of life. A Sabbath way of life. Slowing down, resting in God himself and in his grace to us. A life of slowing down, of resting in God and in his grace. And I can already see in your facial expressions, yeah, right. (laughs) That sounds awesome. That sounds great. That sounds like an ideal, but that can't be my reality this year. Well, just 
stay with us, hear us out, hear the word of God out, that Sabbath for us is an invitation to experience that wholeness, to experience as we rest the wholeness of who God is in our lives. And so what we're going to do in this little mini-series, this one and then the subsequent ones that we get into, is we're going to start with the biblical basis. We're going to start by going to God's Word and seeing what does, what does God say about this particular practice. We're going to look at what, what would this look like for our community here. If we as a people began to practice this, what would that mean not only for us individually, but for our community? And also we want to get practical about this because they are actually practices. These aren't just ideas or thoughts or good things that maybe we'll get around. These are things, this is, they are practices to be practiced. And so we are going to give you resources. Um, We have some resources up on our website, somaindy.com. We have a practice guide uh, that, you know, if you're a part of one of our missional community groups that we're going to start going through together as, as a group to figure out what does this look like for us in these small groups, missional community groups, discipleship groups, to begin to practice these things together. Um, There's also a spiritual formation plan that you can use individually. It's a plan that helps you like say, hey, I want to rest this year. I want to practice a Sabbath this year that will actually help you think about that, put some things in motion in your own life. So we want to be practical about these practices. But the goal of all this, the goal of why why we're doing this is that so we can daily, relationally, and contextually grow as followers of Jesus and be a presence of God's kingdom in this city. These aren't things just to do to make us feel good about ourselves. They're so that we, both individually and as a community, can know God more and can invite others to experience God as well. So what I want to do this morning is I want to start, I've printed out, this is a little different, Printed out a sheet that should be somewhere in your row, um, so there is probably not enough for everybody, so you may have to snuggle up to somebody next to you and share off the same sheet, but I want to walk you through some of these scriptures just to see what does the Bible say about Sabbath and about rest, and you'll notice that all of these scriptures that I've given you here come from the Old Testament. They were written to God's Old Testament people, the people of Israel. And what we're going to see in each one of these is there's a principle to take out for us today. How can we, you know, look back thousands of years to what God said to his people in that time, in that context? What, What can we pull out of that? How can we, what does that speak to us today? So the first one is Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. Verses 1 through 3. Can I borrow somebody's sheet, by the way? I meant to bring. Thanks. Sorry, Jess. So hear these words. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now, you'll notice that's a very repetitive paragraph there. 
there's some key things. What does this, what is, what is this, this passage tell us? All the talk of Sabbath, all the teaching of Sabbath, all the commands of Sabbath find their starting point right here. This is where all of it begins. And we see the truth that God finished his creative work. And when God finished his creative work, God rested. And when God finished his creative work, when God rested, he blessed that day because it was the completion of his creative work. So what do we see here? We see that rest from the very beginning, rest was the culmination of God's creative work. When he finished his work, he rested. That rest is the natural celebration of the completion of God's creative work. That God rested and he blessed, favored that day of rest. Okay? So that's where everything else that we're going to say, that we're going to look at, this is where it begins. What God did, he created his work. He created, he finished his work, and he rested. Okay? So let's move on. Exodus chapter 16. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread. Let me give you some context here. The people of God had been freed from slavery in Egypt. 400 years, God's people were slaves in the land of Egypt, and God freed them. But now they are wandering around in the desert. They had wandered for four, they were going to wander for 40 years in the desert before God would bring them in to a home, to a resting place for them. So they get out in the desert and they realize, what are we going to do for food? How are we going to sustain ourselves in the midst of this dry, desert, arid land where there's not much to eat, if anything at all? And they begin crying out and complaining, God, why did you free us just to bring us out here to starve to death? It would have been better to be slaves because at least we had food to eat there. So that's where we pick up. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, take what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil. And all that is left over lay aside to be kept till morning. So they laid it aside till the morning as Moses had commanded them. And, did not, and it did not stink. There were no worms in it. And Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. So it, God's answer for his people to their problem of not having any food is that he promised that every day they would wake up and after the dew had dried up off the ground, there would be this bread-like stuff called manna. I, I don't know what it was. It, the Bible simply says that it was kind of a bread-like material, a flake uh, food. It was, it was kind of flaky. But God said, every morning when you wake up, six days a week, you will find bread there, enough for you to eat every day. So you go out after the dew has dried up, 
and you pick up that bread, enough for you and your family to eat that day. But on the seventh day, don't pick up any. On the seventh day, you are to rest. Verse 27, on the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in, your, in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. They could gather food for six days. And the promise was on the sixth day, God would provide double. Because on the seventh day, he wanted them to rest. What do we see here? God provided for his people so they could rest. God provided for his people so they could take a day of rest. Okay, let's move down. Exodus 20. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Here we're getting into the Ten Commandments right here. Remember the Sabbath day. And to keep it holy, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This this commandment begins with what? Remember. Remember. Remember who God is and remember what he did. The command to keep the Sabbath, to keep it holy, to rest, again, remember, is rooted in Genesis 2. That God finished his creative work and God rested. Just like God's work, God worked hard to create. God completed his work in six days and rested on the seventh. The same were to be true for God's people. Work hard six days. Finish your work. Stop your work. Put down what you've been working on and take a day to rest. And if you look at this command within the context of the other commands that were given it, that were given to the people of God, you will see that it comes after you shall have no other gods before me. You shall make no other images of other gods and worship them. The point here is don't worship the idols of other gods because by resting and keeping the Sabbath, they were able to worship Yahweh, the one true God. They were able to remember that the God of Israel was the God who had created the universe. And he had worked hard. He had finished his creative work and he rested. And in their rest, they could worship God. Let's move on there to Exodus 31. And the Lord said to Moses, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. 
Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth. And on the seventh day he rested and he was refreshed. What we see here is that keeping the Sabbath was a sign of the covenant between God and his people. It was a sign, it was a practice that separated them from all the other nations on earth, that marked them out as saying, we are God's, we are Yahweh's people. We are the people of the one true God. And they were to keep that throughout the generations. God established this day, this practice of keeping it holy and said, this is what's going to mark you for generation after generation after generation as my people. We see here that Sabbath rest is what set them apart. It's what marked them as being God's people. And then lastly, let's look at Deuteronomy chapter five. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. As the Lord your God commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So here we see a different basis for observing the Sabbath. In these passages before, it was remember God's creative work. And now it's observe the Sabbath because you remember God's redemptive work. That God saved you. That God brought you out. You are no longer a slave, but you're a real person. You're no longer a slave, but you are free. You were slaves, and now you're not. And the Sabbath day, observing that day to rest as worship to God, invite other people to rest and to worship God because you are free people, and you are no longer slaves. So this was an essential part of the identity of God's people. That Sabbath day, that day of rest, that one day of week that was set apart for the ceasing of work, the worshiping of God, the, the living as free people. It was an essential part. It was a practice and observed for generations and generations and generations. But as we've seen with other things, over time it got twisted. 
Over time, it, the, the real meaning of this Sabbath was obscured by the religious leaders of God's people. It was meant to give life. It was meant to be a day of rest. It was meant to be a day where they remembered the creative and the redemptive work of the one true God. But over time, it only became about rules and regulations. It only became a a way of being self-righteous and to feel good about checking off boxes and and doing uh, better than someone else, not working more than someone else was not working. It became rigid, and the true meaning was hidden from God's people. And Jesus comes along. And as we've seen before, what does Jesus do? He points these things out. And he says, listen, you've been teaching these things. You've been living these things. These things have become part of your culture. I am here to tell you what they really mean. I am here to tell you what God really intends for you. And Jesus comes and confronts the religious leaders of the day And points these things out. And we read a situation, we read about a story in Mark chapter 2 where Jesus and his disciples were walking along the roads on the Sabbath day. And they happened to be walking by a grain field. And some of Jesus' disciples picked off some of the heads of grain. And I don't know if there were religious leaders following them around, like waiting for them to mess up. But but Mark tells us that the religious leaders saw this. They got wind of this and they said to Jesus, hey, what kind of teacher are are you that you would let your disciples work on the Sabbath day? Like this is this doesn't compute with us. If you are really a true and a good teacher, you would know that you're not supposed to do that, that that's against the rules. And Jesus tells them this, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And I'm going to come back to that in a few minutes, that idea that the Sabbath was made for man. But a lot of times, and maybe you've experienced this, what we run into, and and we can think about it ourselves, is that, like I mentioned, all of these things, like the, the teaching of the Sabbath, we find primarily in the Old Testament written in, in, in the first few books of the Old Testament as kind of laws and guidelines and, and you know, to God's people, Israel. And, and we don't see a lot of it in the New Testament. Jesus doesn't talk about the Sabbath very much. Uh, the letters to the New Testament churches don't mention Sabbath practice very much. And so we look at that and it's easy for us to say, well, Sabbath rest, that, that was an Old Testament thing. That was something that mattered to God's people back then. It doesn't really have much bearing on us today as as people who are part of God's church, as followers of Jesus. Yeah, it's a nice idea, and maybe there's something to that, but it doesn't seem like God cares about this very much now. Jesus doesn't talk about it much. The New Testament letters don't mention it much. But the thing that we fail to understand sometimes is that Many of those Christians in those early days were Jewish. They were culturally Jewish. They were Jewish people who had come to faith in Jesus Christ. And many of those Jewish practices were still practiced. They were still a part of their cultural expression of Christianity. And much of what we read in the New Testament is not just a, a, uh, you know, the Old Testament doesn't matter now. 
And now this everything that you need to know is written in the New Testament. These folks and the, these early Christians, their Christianity, their understanding of God, their understanding of worship, so much of it was it was a seamless transition from the Old Testament. It was built on the Old Testament scriptures. And so Jesus and the writers of the New Testament come in more of helping to give more shape and more definition and helping to correct where folks had taken the teachings of the Old Testament and twisted them and missed the point. They were correcting the rigidity and just kind of the law-keeping surrounding the Sabbath. That's why they weren't prescriptive to these early Christians about, hey, remember that Sabbath? You need to keep doing it, and this is how you should do it, and this is when you should do it. It's because they were already doing it. They, this was already a part of their expression of Christianity. Our context our experience is different today, right? I mean, we didn't grow up practicing this. This isn't part of our religious life. You know, most of us just think Sabbath is, is right now. You know, it's, it's, it's Sabbath day, is Sunday. We show up at church for a couple hours, and that's what we call a Sabbath. But while it's not commanded for us as a church, stopping work and resting is essential to our experience of the life that God desires for us. You know, we're not going to stand up here and say, this is when you should practice Sabbath. This is how you should practice Sabbath. This is all of the guidelines for what it means to practice Sabbath. Because that's not the point. That's never been the point. The point is we need to remember who God is. We need to remember what God has done. And God has given us an invitation to stop work, and to rest because it is good for us. It is good for us. Um, it is good for us. I will say it again. Uh, last year, our elders, and many of you participated in this, sent out a survey where really what we were trying to do is get a, get a gauge on uh, what's our health as a church? How are we doing? How are people doing? What are people experiencing? What does life look like for folks that are a part of our church? And one of the things that, that was as clear as day that came back from the, this survey that you filled out, it, it was like a big warning light going off, had to do with Sabbath and rest. And what we saw is that we as a church do not practice rest. We don't experience rest. We are people who aren't at rest. That this is just an area that we struggle with. It's an area that is not really part of our lives. And there's a lot of different reasons for that. You know, the culture we live in and the lives that we live. And I'm not going to get into all of that. But what I want to say this morning is that when we don't get rest. When we don't practice the rest that we were created for, we aren't living as people that God desires us to live, who God desires us to be. When we don't get the rest we were created for, we get depressed, right? We get run down. We get weary. We get crushed by just the burdens of responsibilities that we have. When we don't get rest, we just get irritable and frustrated. It's just like we're walking around all the time. Arr, 
you know. And somebody asks us a question. Somebody asks us to, to spend time. You know, it was just this, that low grade. Like, we're just, I'm just irritable because I'm tired. I'm overwhelmed. I'm just burdened by life. We get discontent, right? When we get tired and when we get weary, when we get irritable, the grass is always greener somewhere else, right? We can't see the good things often that we have in our lives. What we don't have gets bigger and bigger and bigger in our eyes. And ultimately, when we don't get the rest that we were created to get, we isolate ourselves. We're tired and we're irritable and we're just depressed and we're just anxious and we've just got all these cares and we live with kind of this scarcity mentality that I've just got my time and my money and all of this stuff. I just, I, I can't give it up. And, and people ask us to do things or ask to be with us. It's like, I just, I don't feel like it. I don't have time to do it. And we withhold ourselves from relationships. We withhold ourselves from people who love us and want to be with us. Hear this, God wants more for us. God wants more for us than living a harried, weary, fragmented life. But you know what we have to do to get that? Nothing. Nothing. God wants us to experience wholeness in our lives. God wants us to experience healthiness in our lives. God wants us to experience good relationships with other people, to live generous, to be free. And the only thing we have to do is to stop our work and to enjoy, to enjoy who he is, to enjoy what he's given us, to enjoy the life that we have. That's what Jesus meant when he said Sabbath was made for man. Sabbath is a gift given to us by God. It's an invitation that God is giving us. It's extending to us to stop, to stop, to slow down, to put down the things that cause us so much anxiety, to put down the things that we feel like we can't put down because our security and our safety and our well-being are so tied up in to put those things down and to take a moment to rest to rest and next week we're going to get in to some of the practicals of that and and even just reimagining what does it mean to actually rest what does it mean to rest? Does it mean binging out on Netflix for five hours on your day off? Does it mean to just sleep in all the time? Does it mean, I don't know. I don't know, maybe. But we need to rethink what rest is. And we also need to understand our season of life. We need to understand that there are just times and seasons in our life where rest looks different, where rest is different for all of us. And we need to be okay with that. And we need to understand that God's invitation to rest is not a burden. It's not something to be heaped upon us as just another thing we have to do. And it's not an area of guilt where we look and just say, well, just add it to the list of the other things that I'm not doing good enough in my relationship with God. That's not the point. 
This is a gift. It's an invitation because God wants more for us. But I want to leave you with these two things. The first thing is this. That Sabbath is an invitation to rest, and rest is an invitation to be reminded that the Lord your God, the Lord is one. It's an invitation for us as the people of God to be reminded that the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. To remember, as Genesis 2 tells us, that God is the creator. That all work begins and ends with God. That he is the creator. That he is the sustainer. Remember, God created this unbelievably complex universe. And then what did he do? He didn't say, well, man, now I've got this thing and I've got to keep it going and I'm way in over my head here. No, God rested. He created an unbelievably marvelous and, and unbelievably complex universe that we don't even understand. And God stepped back and said, I'm going to rest and I'm going to enjoy what I've made. God calls us to rest so that, he, so that we can be reminded that he will provide for us. Remember Exodus 16. It was like, work hard. You know, pick up the food that I've provided for you. But one day, you won't pick up. You can rest because I've provided for you for that day as well. God will provide for us as we stop and we rest. And I know sometimes that's so hard for us to believe. That's so hard for us to think that my life, it, I have to control. I have to manipulate. I have to make sure that my family's provided for. I have to make sure that every, you know, I have my I's dotted and my T's crossed. But God says, no, you, it's not all on you. Know that he will provide, that he will sustain, that he will give us what we need when we choose to rest. God gives us an invitation to know that he is God and that we are not. Rest enables us to embrace the reality that God is God and that we are not. The anxieties, the worries, the insecurities that we all carry, that we all experience, they should be teaching us something. They should be showing us a very real and fundamental point that we are human, that we have limits, that we can't do everything. And instead of just trying to power through, instead of recognizing that and just trying to work harder, they should drive us to rest in knowing that God is at work, that God is doing, that God is working even when I'm not working, that God is involved in the situation that I think is impossible, that I can't get my hands off of because I think if I let go of it, it's all going to shatter and go to pieces. To rest and to have hope and to live in the security that God is at work and that he is in control and we aren't that we aren't. By resting, we're reminded that God isn't overwhelmed like we are. That God isn't harried like we are. That God isn't scattered. That he's not ready to just give up. The calmness, the peace, that deep exhale of knowing that God is perfectly one. That God is perfect and that everything he does is perfect. When we rest, we can celebrate that the work has been completed. 
that God is, has already done what he wants to do for us, in us, and through us. And he will continue to do that until Jesus comes back. So rest is an invitation to be reminded that the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And rest is an invitation to live as free people. Free people and not slaves. Remember Deuteronomy 5, you are not a slave. You're not a slave to sin. You're not a slave to this world. But you're also not a slave to what our society says you should be. You're not a slave to what our culture says, how our culture says you should be spending your time. You're not a slave to what our culture says you should be doing with your life. How many hours you should be working. How many things your kids should be involved in. How many, you know... All of our identity and some of our identity issues and, the, and just the insecurities we feel are wrapped up in the fact that we're constantly looking at somebody else's work, somebody else's productivity, what other people are doing in our lives, and we think we don't measure up. And we just find ourselves in that hamster wheel of constantly trying to be better people to keep up with the Joneses. We become slaves, we become slaves and servants to the culture of this world. And God wants us to rest, to remind us that we're not. We are free. We are free. There is no badge of honor. There is no badge of honor for working yourself like a dog week in and week out. Nobody's standing there saying, hey, look how awesome you are. They're looking at you and saying, man, I need to keep up with them. And then you're looking at them and saying, the people that think you're, you've got it together, you're looking at them and saying, well, I think they've got it together. There's no badge of honor for working like a dog. We shouldn't be proud when someone says, hey, man, how are you guys doing? Well, we're busy. We're busy. We are so busy. We shouldn't be proud to say that, but we kind of feel like we should. Because if I don't say I'm busy, then somebody's going to think I'm lazy. Or somebody's going to think that my life just doesn't count for anything. We measure success in this country by how busy we are. We measure success about how much we produce, about how, how efficient with our time and our energy we are. We need to rethink that. We need to rethink what it means to be successful people. We become slaves to the expectations of others. We become slaves to the fear of missing out. I mean, how many of you in this room would honestly admit that you have FOMO? And that you live with FOMO week in and week out. And that drives so much of your decisions. I'm afraid that I'm going to miss out on something. So I've got to do everything. <laughs> we become slaves to a society that defines success, again, as efficiency, productivity, busyness. But rest is an invitation to remind ourselves and to live into the reality that we are the people of God. And we have been set apart. We have been made different. We are, our expectations of life is different. Slowing down to rest marks us as free people, not slaves. As free people, not people that are subservient to what everybody else thinks. We can enjoy God. We can enjoy the good things he's given us, food, nature, recreation, art, music. We can take time to enjoy those things. We can take time to rest and enjoy others, 
to rest and enjoy others. Rest gives us the time and the capacity for friendships, for deeper community with each other. So I want to leave you with this. God invites each of you. God invites us as a community to pause our creative work and rest so we can be made whole. So we can be made whole. We can rest because Jesus said it is finished. God desires for us to be made whole and to experience rest for eternity. And we can have that hope and we can live with that insurance because Jesus, Jesus has done the work. Jesus has sat down at the right hand of the Father because his redemptive work was done through his death and resurrection. And we can live as free people because we know that God is not standing over us as a taskmaster, saying, if you do not meet my requirements, you cannot know me. God invites us as a father to say, come and know me because of what my son has done for you. God's creative work, God's redemptive work is the hope that we have as the people of God to know who God is and to live free. So I want to invite you, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, to come and to take a piece of bread, to dip it in the cup as a reminder of that hope, that Christ has died, that Christ has risen, that Christ is coming back again, and that God invites us to experience a taste now of the rest that we will know forever and ever and ever. If you're not a Christian this morning, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. But this is not something that's magic. It's not something. It's, it's, it's a sign. It's a symbol of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And so if you have questions of that, about that, if you want to know more about that, we would love to talk to you more. We'd love to share with you what this means and what rest looks like because of Jesus Christ. God, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that you have given us work to do and that living the life that you've called us to live is not easy, but it's hard. It requires so much from us. It requires more than what we have. But in your grace, you have given us your spirit. In your grace, you have given us the power and the strength to do the work that you have left us here in this world to do. But we also thank you that you have called us to work hard. You've also called us to rest, to enjoy who you are, to enjoy what you've done for us, to enjoy each other. And I pray for this community that you, in a world of just busyness, in a world of anxiety, in a world of, of so much just hustle and bustle all of the time. I pray that you would grow us into a countercultural community of people who are marked by the fact that we can slow down and that we can rest because we're yours. We pray that in Jesus' name.